Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I like the headphones again today, man. Uh, pink, pink headphones, um, I just think are the right color for me, personally. Mm-hmm. It makes you sound better as well, right? <laughs> Do you know what it is? I can't find my headphones. And Molly is the only one who seems to have headphones here that fit into the back of this bloody microphone. So it's, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not spending money on headphones. It's unnecessary. Hello, whiskey people. And welcome to episode 12 of Not Another Whiskey Podcast. Have you ever wondered about the different bits of kit that exist in a distillery? Things like a worm tub. What does it do? An anaerobic digester, a safety collapse valve, a louder ton, a wart chiller, and how thermal vapor compressor system works. Well, the good news is that we don't know anything about any of that kind of stuff. I'm Daz. And I am joined, as always, by my very good and dear friend, Mr. Mitch Beshard. How are you, sir? How are you doing, Daz? Uh, great to be on another episode, episode number 12. So Ooh. a little bit of a change in schedule this ep- the, for, for this episode this week, as we're going to be talking whiskey and cigars. For those that checked out our previous episode on World Whiskies, if you haven't, I highly recommend it, because Daz's banter was on fire. But you may remember that we talked about recording this episode in the Holyrood Distillery. Unfortunately, our good friend Nick Ravenhall, who's the managing director there, had to deal with a family emergency. So we had to reschedule that. But Nick, we're thinking of you and your family, mate. Uh, Once you're ready, you know, we're going to get that all rescheduled and look forward to doing that. Yeah, big time. Guys, so stay with us for this episode because today we are so, so excited to be trying three cigar malts from three different distilleries. And really, I think what we're trying to do here, Mitch, is using all of our experience and time out there in the world of whiskies and cigars and just sort of piecing together. How do you how do you sort of explore these two categories together? You know, what are the kind of top tips and things like that that we would look at and some of the stories as well that we've picked up along the way? And not only that, Mitch, you um, you are very well connected in this world. You are bringing in one of the rock stars from the cigar industry who's going to have a little chat with us later on. It's funny, isn't it? Because when you and I met all those years ago at Diageo and we look back at you know what we got up to and things like that, I think we've both always enjoyed a cigar every now and then. Uh, is that right? 
I'd say that's right, mate. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's been several occasions when you and I have had a had a wee mm. stogie uh, and and got into it. So it's uh, you know, for me, it's it's always a natural combination having a whiskey and a cigar. Uh, I I find it a lot harder here in Scotland because uh, you have to mm. have the right weather. I don't know about you, but I my wife doesn't really enjoy. Well, my wife doesn't allow me to smoke in the house, and rightly yeah. so. So it's get, it gets a little bit harder over here than when you're in a hotter climate. No, that's it. And, and it's true. Eh? I mean, we're going to talk a lot about all different types of things, but things that, that we probably always ended up with, certainly on the brand side, is you would normally have ended up with bigger cigars, you know, Robusto sizes or even bigger than that. And, and actually, when it's cold outside, uh, you don't have an hour or an hour and 20 minutes to sit and really sort of enjoy uh, those cigars so you probably want to go for the sort of slightly smaller format ones in this type of weather but it's as you say it's you know a, a lot of venues uh so i live in edinburgh so you know not that many places have a great setup for sort of cigar smoking occasion you know and it, and it actually do you know what I, I love about it it's, it's actually just being able to take an hour out sit down and actually just appreciate that hour for for what it is you can put something on a wee ipad and watch some tv you can read a book or you can just sit sip a whiskey and enjoy that smoke you know absolutely yeah i mean i've spoken to some big some big cigar guys before and that's what they always say they're like it's it's an hour to me it's an hour for me to gather my thoughts get my shit together uh and sort everything out but anyway before we get on to that daz what have you been up mm. to this week mate anything exciting yeah uh, the last couple of weeks mate there's, to be honest there's been quite a lot going on um i've been quite busy uh, i went to actually went to an event last night when with the good guys uh, from Edrington UK who are relaunching uh, Naked Grouse. It's now going to be known as the Naked Malt. And uh, we had a few nice cocktails. Uh, our good friend Teddy uh, hosted a, a little tasting. The global ambassador actually lives in Sweden, Isaac. He came over. So, uh, you know, that was, that was great. And, and then there was the, the big um, awards thing, wasn't there as well, a couple of weeks ago. And Becky and Joel uh, were in town. Um, so I managed to catch up with those guys as well. Um, Kieran as well from, from White Mackay. So it's actually been quite nice. Nice to see lots of uh, familiar faces uh, out and about again. You know, people who don't live here who have who've popped in for a few days. Uh, I've really, really enjoyed that. What about you, man? Well, before we get on to what I've been up to, I want to just um, thank Teddy for my invite to the Naked Grouse event that you went to. Nice of him yeah. to ask me. Thanks, Teddy. Yeah, it's not what you know, Mitch. It's who you know. Yeah, I remember that next time I'm going over to Lewis with Larkfire. Yeah. And you want to come again? <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. Nah. And I, was in I forgot. I forgot as well. I was in Speyside, man. I went up to Station Hotel uh, with Todd, uh, who who's got access to some unbelievable uh, casks uh, over there at Diageo. We managed to sample uh, some of those with a couple of guys that come in from the states. So that was uh, that. To be honest, that was pretty special. I tasted a, I think it was a forty-four year old Nakando, full maturation in a sherry cask, and. I will never forget that flavor. It was absolutely outstanding. Now, it was funny because I was up in Speyside as well at the same time. We didn't manage to meet up, unfortunately, no. but I saw your guys right afterwards and they were raving about that. So, yeah, I was running about Speyside all week last week as well. Had some really uh, cool guys over from, from Holland. Uh, so I took them around Speyside. We, I think by the end of it, they said to me that they'd tasted 63 new whiskeys over four days. Brilliant. So I, I got them around Speyside pretty well. Uh, we went to, where did we go? McAllen, uh, Glenelkey, Abelauer, uh Jeez, what else did we do? Holyrood, down in, when we were down in Edinburgh, because I started down in Edinburgh with them. Um, <laughs> I took them to, we, we had a dram outside of um, Dal Munich, uh, Dal Ewan, literally went all over Speyside, mate. Cardew as well went up there. 
So it was crazy. Uh, like I say, I started them off in Edinburgh. And one of the things that we need to go and do is do the five course whiskey tasting dinner at the Scotch Malt Whiskey. Yeah, you were raving site. about that, man. Oh, man. It was so good. Service, great. Uh, food was fantastic. And then, you know, six cask strength whiskeys that mm -hmm. they give you with that. So if you are, a I, I genuinely, there, I, I genuinely think I had the best pie I've ever had there. Food's good. Food yeah. is great. Yeah, yeah. Service is great. So highly recommend. Uh, you know, a wee uh, a wee membership there gets you access to the places upstairs. Our good friends at Scotch Malt Whiskey Society, uh, who let us let us in there a couple of weeks ago. What was they that? Did. I was almost a month ago now. Maybe. Oh, mate, it's a while ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what else did I do? So I did Space Side, run about Space Side, absolutely nuts. That was full on for four days with those guys. Uh, then I went down to London this week, uh, doing a Larkfire event down there. So uh, we were doing some uh, highballs with Larkfire, which is a lot of fun. Ardbeg and Creme de Monte in a highball. Who knew that that would work? How was it? Amazing. <laughs> and it's green. No, really yes, good, actually. Um, so the guys at the Boysdale, that's where we had the event. They, they mm -hmm. made up some, uh, some highballs for us. So really cool to see that. And then I, I had to be in Speyside for the next day. So I took the Caledonian Sleeper back up the road, which meant getting on the train at 12 o'clock at night from London and being back in Edinburgh at seven in the morning. So that was kind of interesting. A little bit disappointed. I was kind of thinking it'd be James Bond style. You know what I mean? Sitting with a tuxedo, uh, vodka martini, looking through an yeah. extensive wine list. Uh, but yeah, just jumped on it, passed out, woke up in Edinburgh. That was it. I had a, had a terrible experience on the sleeper train. Um, a lady that we worked with a long time ago booked a train ticket for me because I had to be back in Scotland for something. And I was in London, so she booked a sleeper for me. And I opened the door to my cabin and there was a guy in there in his pants taking his socks off, which is not the best position. No one, no one can do that gracefully, you know. And uh, I just put my bag in and I just went straight to the beer cart. Um, and the train left, I think, at like half 11. And I think I left the beer cart. At, it must have been about three in the morning. <laughs> had about eight cans of speckled hen. Just went in and closed my eyes and prayed that nothing bad would happen to me. <laughs> That's brutal, mate. Yeah, it was That's not nice. brutal. I got stitched up. It was Fiona Rooney. You'll remember her. She stitched yeah, yeah, me up yeah. big time, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before we get into some cigar action, let's talk about what's been happening in the whiskey world. Daz Mitch's Whiskey News of the Week. Yeah, big news on the blenders front. Um, Jim Beveridge, who's been the master blender for Johnny Walker for a number of years, um, is he's an OB. Um, he's a doctor. He is an amazing font of knowledge. And uh, all, I mean, think of the whiskies that he's put together throughout his career. It's, it's pretty remarkable. So he's stepping down. And Emma Walker will assume the role of Master Blender now for Johnny Walker. So the number one Scotch whiskey brand in the world, Emma Walker is, Dr. Emma Walker is, is now their Master Blender. So that's a, that's a big change. Um, both absolute giants um, in whiskey. Uh, and for one to, to kind of start winding down, you know, it's the end of an era and the start of a new one. And great to see another female whiskey blender. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Well, my story, kind of not as big as that, but quite quite a, a, a nice uh, little, I, I suppose you could call it a quirky story. Uh, Glenn Cairn, who, as everyone listening probably knows, is the official, unofficial whiskey tasting glass, great family-run company. Uh, they partnered up with uh, Scottish Field magazine 
to create this little competition, which I thought was kind of cool. So uh, it's basically to write a crime story and they've partnered up with some authors. Uh, and basically you have to, to put in a 2000 word crime story. And the theme is based on a, a crystal clear crime. See what they've done? All there, right. Ben? Okay. Ah, I like that. Yeah, really cool. So there's, there's cash prizes to be won. First prize uh, will get a thousand pounds, and then runners up with two hundred and fifty pounds each. Cash uh, prize. So- you're you're going to obviously submit that, aren't you? You do anything for a fiver. Mate, I, I, right? I can hardly read. How am I going to do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I thought I thought that was a cool little story, whiskey related, that came out this week. Yeah, not very cool. And it's Halloween, right? This episode will drop on Halloween, so. Um, there's a few spooky things going on in the whiskey world, mate. There's um, Art Beg have released a, a very interesting little collection of bottles. Um, the Wee Beastie, of course, it goes without saying. It feels very Halloween-y. But then also they've released their um, their little mini bottle series um, of little spooky treats, which uh, which does look brilliant. And the other thing that, um, that caught my eye, and I actually watched it and thought that was really good. I really enjoyed it. was the Bomore No Corners to Hide. Um, and it's all about the story. You know, the church that's in Bomore that's that's mm-hmm. round and it's round to obviously avoid having corners uh, so that when the devil came, uh, you wouldn't be able to hide in the corners of that particular church. So that's a very, very special building. So the whole story is based upon uh, once upon a time when the devil came, it visited Bomore um, and it all talks about that, you know, the what happened and there's... Um, the guy that, that narrates the story, I think it's Frank Quietly, I think his name is, um, he he tells that story absolutely brilliantly. And there's a great video, actually, that goes along with it. And I'm not often enjoying those types of things, um, but I actually sat, watched the whole thing and was like, that's really cool. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Nice. And the whiskeys that they've released, I think they're doing like 23, uh, there's definitely a 23-year-old in there, which, um, which looks mega. Yeah, I saw the artwork for that. It looks pretty scary. Yeah. That's cool. Really cool. So some Halloween releases, which is uh, very, very exciting. Oh, oh mate. <laughs> He's gone high tech, eh? Hey, hey, you like that? You like that? <laughs> I, I didn't know you had it in you, mate. <laughs> mate, I'm hilarious. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're, you're going to ruin all your good work. <laughs> right. So look, we do love whiskey and, you know, we've been involved with whiskey for a very very long time and we've kind of alluded to it a little bit we have touched on cigars uh, throughout our careers in various different ways and we've met people who make cigars we've worked with retailers who stock both whiskey and cigars and and I actually was thinking back just as we started talking about this about my first engagement I suppose with a cigar and like almost every single thing that I've kind of experienced in life it goes back to Rick's um we had a small humidor and I had a villager number two, I think it was, there. And I remember after that, I did a cocktail competition, which I never won. I came second in a Johnny Walker competition. But the final was up at Dremure Castle, which was the castle that Diageo used to have. Uh, and they used to do a lot of entertaining for their blends there and things like that. And I had a Cahiba uh, Robusto up there once. Um, and I remember just thinking... That flavor is just absolutely delicious. And then obviously as time's gone on through like the ambassadorial stuff, we've been all over the world. I've been to different cigar lounges, uh, worked on a really good collaboration between Davidoff and Dalmore actually, which which worked really, really well, I thought. Um, and then lockdown actually just sort of took it upon myself. Me and three or four other guys set up a small 
club. We called it Stogie School. Um, and we just started signing up for tastings, cigar tastings, just to learn a little bit more about them and things like that. So I think like cigars always been something I'm quite interested in. Don't smoke them very often, maybe one a month if I'm lucky. Uh, I enjoy that hour outside. But then it just got me thinking, you know, when I saw the the Tom and Towel, the Tam Do cigar malts being released, and obviously I worked on Dalmo cigar malt, I just thought, this is a good, this is a good topic, actually. I don't know if I've ever seen anyone have a tasting of the three cigar malts side by side. I'm not aware of one. Which we're about to do tonight, because we have them all tonight. lined up right here. We're going to do so Dalmo cigar malt, we're going to do Tom and Towel cigar malt, and we're going to do Tam Do cigar malt. Shall we uh, get cracked into the, the first one, Mike? Well, let's do the Dalmore. Um, I, uh, I've obviously worked with Richard and um, got the background here. It was released originally back in, I think, 2005. Um, and it, wasn't, it was discontinued for a couple of years, I think 2009 to 2011, something like that. And, and the reason why, I think, was that they didn't feel that the cigar malt piece was strong enough at that time. So they actually then called it Gran Reserva, and it was very focused on sherry casks, the Dalmore, the original Dalmore cigar malt. But people absolutely loved it. You know, they they loved the whole idea of it. It really set a tone in terms of the the occasion, and that's something I think when I think of Dalmore cigar malt. Name a whiskey that is designed for such a specific occasion. There isn't one, you know. And when you think of wines, you think of the great Merlots of Argentina for steak, you know, they're absolutely the perfect partner for that red meat occasion. You think, of, you know, the way that wine's talked about, there are great wines for great dishes almost and seafood. You think of, you know, really crisp Sauvignon Blancs and Sancerres and things like that. Whiskey doesn't really have that. It's just good for bonding, uh, good for toasting. It's good for drinking. The occasion's never really spoken about too much. And that's what I love about cigar malt. Yeah, it's a good point, mate. I mean, I'd never really thought about it that way before. So let me ask you a question. When uh, Richard Patterson put this together, he was smoking a couple of cigars or he wasn't? Because I know a lot of master blenders are like, well, I'm never going to touch a cigar. I've only smoked a cigar with one master blender. I, I suppose that that must have been tough for Richard because obviously these guys' palates, their noses, cigars are going to affect them a lot, right? It could. He enjoys them. He, he really enjoys them. Um, I've, I've, I've had a cigar with Richard on a couple of occasions and, it, and it's been great, you know, great just to sit and listen and, and chat through things and hear a little bit more about the kind of flavor profiles and things like that. But no, he, he definitely enjoys them. I don't think he has them very often, um, but he definitely enjoys cigars uh, and he doesn't rule it out. He did a lot of work, I think, over the years with uh, Hunters and Franco. And I, and I think a lot of his information and knowledge and things like that had come from there. He actually went to Cuba with um, uh, whatever, what, what's the, the governing body of tourist, uh, tourism in Cuba, Visit Cuba or whatever it's called. They actually took him across um, and he did uh, go to a couple of the cigar factories and some of the tobacco fields and things like that. Did a tasting with a, it was actually a 21 year old cigar malt. I think he'd taken over um, and, and did an event and things to raise awareness of, of obviously what, what Cuba is all about. So yeah, he's, he's not against it at all. In fact, quite the opposite, really quite likes it. One thing though, I would say is, is that on cigar malt, what he's not there to do is, is to push the idea of having a cigar with it. He, he's actually really open about it. He's like, you don't need to have a cigar to enjoy this whiskey. Cause it's a great whiskey. Um, have it however you want, but it does work really, really nicely with a cigar and the cigar in particular that he had in mind 
was the Partagas uh, Series D number four. That was the cigar that basically cigar malt was designed for. So if you're out there thinking, where's a good place to start? Partagas is a nice, uh, quite full flavored, uh, robusto um, cigar. The Series D number four is. Um, I think there's only eight Robusto cigars that come out of Cuba, and that would be one of them. Um, and it's a, an absolutely sensational uh, smoke. It works so well uh, with this whiskey, and that's what it was designed for. So give it a try. If you're into cigars and that's your thing and you weren't aware of that, I really recommend it. Well, since you've been talking about it, should we, uh, Let's should do we it, give it a little taste? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, pour- I've poured some already. I've been sipping on this since we started. So, What do uh, you think? Yeah, really interesting. Like when I, f- so I'm just looking at it, 44% ADV. Um, when I first opened it, it was quite closed, but as it's been sitting here, it's it's opened up quite a bit. I almost get this like, um, there's a little bit of like sandalwood coming through. Yeah. Uh, toffee notes. Yeah, I, get, I find it very fudgy. I was, yeah, definitely. I get it, lots of fudge. And it's funny because it's not something you find in a lot of the other Dalmores. You get lots of chocolate in Dalmore, you get loads of orange. You do get spices like cloves, licorice, sweet spice, things like that. But the for me, the cigar malt's a funny one. It's it's in terms of the family of Dalmore, it almost feels a little bit more like a cousin at times. It's got that lovely kind of sweet front, um, lovely body. The alcohol helps a little bit of forty four. You know, it's it's bringing a little bit more to the party than maybe some of the proprietary bottles which are coming in at forty sometimes. Um, but yeah, so I, I I rate it, and I, and that's of the Dalmore range. It's probably this whiskey I go back to the most regularly. It's it's a lot heavier than a lot of those Dalmores that I've tried in the past, which which makes mm. sense, right? I mean, you want that for for a, a whiskey that's going to come through and cut through a cigar. Uh, you want that heaviness coming through. You know, when I was with Glenfiddich, I would always say, Glenfiddich, 18-year-old, if you're going to do a cigar, it's the heaviest of the range. It's the most oily. It's the most full body. Mm. So that's what you want to pick. Nice. And I think... You know, we're going to get into this in a while because we're going to have a chat with Alan Rubin. And one of the things we talk about is 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 smokiness and, and whether a, a whiskey should be smoky or not when it comes to pairing of cigars. And I think there's a lot of different views out there. Personally, I'm, I'm of one where it's that Highland, Speyside, more fruity style whiskey that I think works better with mm-hmm. a cigar just because it, you're not then competing with smoke on smoke. Um, yep. And I think that's what 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 this this Delmore does really well. Yep, well that's right. You can contrast flavors. You know, you can have, yep. um, you know, smoke and uh, you know the tobacco smoke, lovely flavors coming through from that to match with that sweetness. And those contrasting elements can work really well. You can complement flavors, so you can actually work on those flavor profiles. Uh, say you used a red wine cask, and you're getting some of these lovely tannin, you know, sort of kind of qualities coming through. Get a cigar that also has that leathery almost sort of really classic tobacco kind of notes that'll work really really well and then the other one is of course is to compete you know do you go yeah. do you go lefroig and a big heavy heavy cigar that are just gonna you know knock heads with one another sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't work you know it's one of those it's definitely a little bit of experimenting going on for me though my experience of cigars and, and the three that we're going to try here um all slightly different and none, not one of them is a smoky whiskey. You know, Tom and Till has a bit of peat, but it's very, very soft. Um, the Dalmore is uh, initially matured in bourbon. Uh, it then goes into sherry, uh, Oloroso sherry. And then it also about 10% of it goes into uh, red wine casks. So Chateau Haute Marbouze is the, the, the sort of chateau that the wines come from. And, and that's a recipe that, that's been the case since it was relaunched. The, before it was discontinued, it was all sherry. 
it would have been much more similar in style to the, the current Dalmore 15. Yeah, mate. So really cool with uh, trying that Dalmore. Um, for me, <clears> it's been really interesting with my whiskey cigar story because, you know, I think when we were hanging about in Scotland, yeah, I, I dabbled a little bit in cigars. But where it kind of kicked off was going to the US. And I remember going to a whiskey show and I met this guy called Sammy Phillips. Absolutely crazy. Still really good mates with him today. And absolutely bonkers guy, just larger than life, you know, American dude, smoked cigars. He was working for, uh, at the time, Alec Bradley, which is an amazing cigar company uh, out of the US. And we just hit it off straight away. So we're in Vegas and that literally turned into so many stories that I can't talk about on this uh, on this podcast. But from there, I then met the owner, uh, Alan Rubin. And from that, we what we did was we started this relationship with Glenfiddich and Alec Bradley. There was there was an amazing relationship. We ended up doing a load of uh, whiskey partnership, well, sorry, whiskey and cigar partnerships, going around the US. We were the first to actually do a deconstruction of a cigar and a whiskey. So we did that with Glenfiddich, fifteen year old. Uh, he had a, a, a what they called a Alex Alec Bradley uh, Prinsado, and he took the three fundamental parts of that cigar broke it down and I got the three parts of Glenfiddich 15 and we did them side by side. So it was mm -hmm. these really small smokes with the, the the different parts of Glenfiddich 15 year old. You smoked that, you tried it at cast strength and it was a crazy tasting, you know, only in the US. You wouldn't get away with that, I don't think in the UK. No. Uh, but absolutely insane tasting, a lot of fun to do that. Yeah, and Alan is such a nice guy. I hope, you know, hope hopefully he's going to come over to Scotland once once the US opens up a little bit and he can start to travel. But um, one of the things that uh, I always remember this, this is how nice this guy is. So I moved from California to North Carolina and I have a, I'm having a chat with Alan. And he's like, how are you doing for cigars, Mitch? Do you want cigars? By the way, I, you know, as you know, I've always had Alec Bradley cigars. It's all you've uh, got, man. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> he sends me so much of it. It's, it's insane, <laughs> you know? So I'm having a chat with him and um, he's like, well, how are you doing for cigars? I'm like, Alan, I'm good. Uh, all good, man. But, you know, I'm not smoking as much because it's getting a little bit cold. Mm. North Carolina has seasons, not dissimilar to Scotland when it comes to the winter. So I'm like, it's getting a little bit colder over here. I'm not smoking as many cigars. He's like, all right. So we finish our call. Two days later, this massive box arrives at my door, not only filled with Alec Bradley cigars, but also a patio heater and a note saying, now you've got no excuse to smoke my cigars. Wow. I love that. <laughs> That's a great story. <laughs> so amazing guy and, you know, an absolute legend within the whiskey industry. So I thought what would be cool for this episode was to sit down and hear a cigars person point of view with regards to whiskey. So I sat down with Alan today and we recorded this interview. All right, Alan. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, fella. Great to see you. Great to see you as well. I appreciate you asking me to uh, participate in this. Well, you, you are my cigar hero, my cigar mentor when it comes to cigar smoking. So there's no one else that, that I would turn to, uh, to talk about cigars and whiskey. Uh, so, you know, let's, you own an unbelievable cigar company, one of the biggest cigar companies in the US, very successful guy when it comes to cigars, one of the legends within the industry. And I know you like a wee whiskey now and again, Alan, because we have had a few together. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's putting it uh, mildly, but yes, yes, we have fun. So what I want to do is I want to start off with um, just talking about you and cigar smoking when it comes to drinking whiskey. How does what do you how, how do you enjoy doing it? Well, I think it's you know I, I think what happens is is we're, we're talking about two pleasure products and or, or two forms of entertainment. And so 
they complement each other very well because um, you know they're both consumable. They the flavors and the styles of whiskey and cigars go well together. And it's really about for me, I love the experimentation of trying different whiskeys with different cigars uh, to get what is my kind of what's the multiplier effect for me. So I enjoy sitting with friends. Generally, I become not only the cigar guy, but the whiskey guy as well. I like to help put pairings together for friends, you know, whether they're um, whether we're together or they're going to be hosting a party. Sometimes we have conversation as to what should you have at the bar? What should you have outside, you know, to go smoke? So to me, I love the whole idea of pairing um, and kind of getting that force multiplier on the total experience. Yeah. And what do you say? Like, so say if someone's listening right now, uh, you know, they're just getting into cigars. They, they've already been drinking whiskey. They've got a little bit of whiskey knowledge. What's, have you got any advice to anyone with regards to pairing? Yeah, I mean, you know, as a, as a general rule, you want to, for me and, and how in, in our style, how we like to pair is you want to find some, some, some likeness in terms of the sweetness, the texture component, you know, a thicker smoke, a thicker whiskey type of feel, how they finish. Um, and you want to you wanna get some, you want to get the, the balance. You, you don't necessarily, in my opinion, want a ping pong effect. You don't want, here's my whiskey, here's my cigar. You kind of want this flow, this natural flow from the whiskey to the cigar, back to the whiskey, back to the cigar. And it keeps the, the experience, I think, going in a great direction. So somebody who has whiskey knowledge, immediately what I would do is say, hey, where are you on the whiskey scale? meaning in terms of style, proof, those type of things. And then I would find a cigar to kind of match that because that's the experience they already have. So what do we do to help elevate that experience? You know, you've done this in the past. I remember working with you uh, where we sat down or you sat down and had to do all this kind of homework where you paired up your cigars two different whiskeys as you went through. What's what's your kind of thought process when you do that, when you sit down and do that? You and I have had the luxury of being able to sit down and also do a deconstruction on cigars and whiskey in the past, right? So we understand the components that make up the whiskey and we understand the components that make up, uh, up the cigar. So it's very easy for us to get kind of uber detailed into how they pair. It's, it's the style of what you want. If you like a higher proof whiskey, you may want a cigar that has just more beef and more power to it, a little more umph to it. If you like something that's smoother, aged, a little more balanced, you want something in that medium range in terms of what the cigar brings to you as a good basic overall rule. Best experience with whiskey and cigars. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There were two I can recall. Um, one was a little more personalized, and I'll tell you what it was. We were doing, I was doing a charity event out in Houston to raise money for a, uh, a, a child's charity. And it was, it was supposed to be me and somebody, uh, kind of, and a celebrity that was supposed to be there. And at the end, the celebrity had another commitment and couldn't be there. And they said, Hey, you're still coming out. And I'm like, Listen, we're never going to raise the money just with me going. You know, we have to we have to figure out how we're going to do this. We have one night to raise 25 or $30,000 with a very small group. And so I called somebody from William Grant, um, David Allardyce. He came out and met me. We did an event. And after the, we raised $30,000, literally after we sat down in one hour, we raised $30,000. The event was over. We were sitting down. Everyone was just enjoying themselves. We were out on this patio of this country club. And I had a glass of Glenfiddich 30 year old, and I had our latest release of the Alec Bradley Fine and Rare. I was somewhat in a crowd, but sitting by myself. And there was just that moment in time, that one moment in time. And I thought to myself, life really just doesn't get better than this. This moment, and this moment in time, everybody should experience. It was just a elevated level of pleasure and understanding and clarity and relaxation. And again, I was with a group, but ultimately I was kind of within myself with that, with, you know, with my cigar and with that whiskey. And it was, uh, it was just kind of a moment of bliss for me nice. in all the years that I've been in business. It, those have been rare. Yeah. So I think that's one. Uh, the other was I was in New York. And I was at the offices of M. Schenken, which is a uh, whiskey advocate and cigar aficionado and, and wine spectator. And they were literally moving offices the next day after over 20 years in the same building. And I happened to be with Mr. Schenken at the time. I happened to just be up there and I went up to say hello. And he said, hey, it's you know, the last day. Uh, and this building is going, it's no smoking. So you know, we're moving. So I said, well, it's your last day. You built, you built 
you know, wine spectator and cigar aficionado and whiskey advocate out of this building. And I think we should celebrate with a, a whiskey and a cigar. And he looked at me, I said, what are they going to do? Kick you out? <laughs> You're leaving tomorrow. It's your last day. And um, Mr. Schenken pulled two cigars out of his humidor. We pulled some whiskey out of the closet and we sat down and toasted really the growth and the experience and everything that he's been able to bring to the industries that we love so much. So there were two very iconic moments in time, you know, one with somebody who's helped our industry so much, uh, yours and mine as well. And the other was we raised money for, for a children's charity. And yet within all of that, I'm probably got the most satisfaction out of everybody, you know, within that area. Some of your favorite pairings. Let's talk about some of your favorite pairings with Alec Bradley cigars and any kind of whiskeys out there. If I was going to, let's say, pick a category in terms of the whiskey in itself, to me, still my number one whiskey cigar pairing is Glenfiddich 15 year and the Alec Bradley Prensado. Um, I'm not sure. I, I, I think when we hit on it together, there was something that was kind of that aha moment. Like I didn't understand this could happen, that you could have this multiplier on the experience by putting these two together. And it was, it, that was the beginning of me understanding what the roller coaster ride was. Which was really cool because then we went on to do the deconstruction of the <laughs> Prinsado and the Glenfiddich 15 year old together. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, there's still a lot because, you know, think about what we do in terms of whiskey and cigars. They're both very emotional products, right? Because you get attached. It, it, it puts you in some social app, you know, atmosphere sometimes or social, social situations where you're getting to know people over a whiskey and a cigar. And so to me, there was a, there's an emotional connection to that pairing um, because it was the beginning of a lot for me in terms of understanding the power of whiskey and cigars together. So that's one pairing um, I like a lot. Um, and then Irish whiskey. Uh, I recently did a pairing with uh, Redbreast 27 year and uh, the Kintsugi, Alec and Bradley Kintsugi cigar. I put those together and they really paired beautifully in terms of viscosity, in terms of how it finished, in terms of the fact that neither the cigar nor the whiskey overpaired one another. So it balanced really well. So that was a good pairing for me. What's your opinion on smoky whiskeys and cigars? For me, the most difficult to pair in the style that I like to pair. So some people have, I'm sure many people have different, a lot of different pairing styles that they like to use. And so they, some people say, hey, I want the whiskey and then I want the cigar. I get two different experiences. Instead of one that flows, I get two different experiences and they like it that way. So I think that when you have a peated or smoked type whiskey, one is it has a tendency to inundate the nose a little bit. And then I think to me, it's the most difficult because it's, it's a very strong single pointed type of flavor. Not that it's not balanced, it can't have all the other things, but between the nose, it becomes a little one directional for me. It's very difficult to find a cigar that can pair nicely with that and keep up with that. Now, if you speak to other people who are very much in the cigar business and or in the whiskey business, they don't agree with that at all. They like that back and forth piece. So everyone's a little different in their style. Yeah. And they should drink and smoke to the style that they enjoy most. 
I think I'm with you though. Um, I find that if I'm going to go for a pairing, I always tend to go on peated over a peated whiskey. I just don't. I don't enjoy smoke on smoke. So that's a, it's a great way to say that. Great way to great statement, as in the, because the smokes are different. Yeah. And therefore, for me, they compete. Beautiful. Well, Alan, thank you so much for being on our, our little podcast. I know you're a busy man. You're about to uh, run off and chat to some politicians. That's kind of how high level this guy actually is. So, Alan, I really <laughs> do appreciate you uh, doing a little interview with me today, man. And great to great to see your face. I look forward to coming over to the US soon and hanging out again. Love to get together, uh, replay some of some of the, the times we've had together in the past. <laughs> well, that, uh, it, but some of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely not all of it. Um, but uh, listen, thanks for having me. My best to the family. It is always great seeing you. Uh, and one day under a, an outdoor heater, we will sit down and have a cigar and a whiskey together. Beautiful. Thanks, man. Oh, that's um, no, that's that's so cool. It was great to hear his insight as well. You know, all of his stories. And I mean, he lives that industry, right? I mean, he is he's one of the big figures over there. Um and I've enjoyed a few Alec Bradleys over the piece. My experience is, is is so different to yours because you lived so long in the States and, and, and you were so involved with these guys. Um, mine really was was more Cubans um, because that's what was available. A lot of the tastings that the Stogie Club, the Stogie School uh, joined throughout lockdown and things like that were all mainly kind of Cuban-based tastings um, run by Sauters out of London with Lawrence Davies and Nick Hammond. And uh, Robert Graham with Stephen Johnson here in Scotland. So those were the two main sort of influences for me in terms of trying new things and really exploring the category. And as that was happening, it was quite interesting. I was doing quite a lot of work with Davidoff and Roy Sommers, one of the one of the sort of main guys over there at, at Davidoff. And I saw him doing some work with Tom and Towell, and I spotted this little bottle popping up, and I was like, "That's a cigar malt." I was like, "When did they come out with that?" And I, I hadn't tried it. And at Rabbi's Drams a couple of weeks ago. I met Ian um, and I sort of just sort of went over and asked him for a little sample and, you know, cause I don't get sent stuff, Mitch. Um, <laughs> you know, you get, you get free cigars, you get full bottles of whiskey from people. Hey, what can I've I say? People and, like me. I know, man. I've just got to go and ask people. Maybe one day when I get 10,000 followers on Instagram, maybe people will start sending me shit. <laughs> but um, I actually I had a good chat with Ian very briefly. Uh, he was, he was busy at stand doing tastings and stuff. Um, but I did like it. Um, I had a quick taste and I, and I was like, oh, there's a wee pinch of smoke in there as well. Very pleasant. Mate, I haven't tried this yet, so I'm excited. So, I, you know, as you know, we met up quickly in Edinburgh today just to swap these whiskeys around. And I met up with Cody, who's just started with uh, Tom and Tal. And yeah. he gave, kindly gave us a, well, almost full bottle, which is nice. Lovely. That's so kind of him. And Thanks, Cody. Yeah, massively appreciated, mate. Thank you. Um, and thanks, Ian, as well, for just giving me a quick rundown here because I think it was about 10% peated malt in this one. So it gives it that little bit of backbone, that little bit of body that it needs. And Tom and Towell, um, you'll know more about it than I do, Mitch, but one of these distilleries that was opened up in the 60s to provide big fruity malts uh, for the blends of the day, the Cutty Sarks and the you know the J&Bs that were doing really, really well all over the world, really, at that point. Um, so... You know, it's no surprise to see this is quite a fruity whiskey. I don't know what you think of it. It's got that lovely kind of uh, vanilla moves into orangey. It's very kind of yellow fruity. You know, there's a little bit of tropical notes and a little bit of soft spice actually there on the background as well. Yeah, really interesting on the nose. 
I'm excited to see because I, I think there's going to be a big push on Tom and Tell. Um, mm. Glen Cadden as well, which is the other brand that Angus yeah, I'm a massive in. fan of Glen Cadden anyway. I was chatting to someone about that last night. I've tried three or four whiskeys from them recently, and every one of them was a rocker. Like it was so good. So underrated. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. So underrated. And but I that think part of the world is, mate, because Fetter Cairns up there, Glen Cadden's up there, yeah, yeah. Royal Loch Nagar's up there. There's a few distilleries in that little bit that nobody really talks about, but I think they're all, all I could sit and drink almost every single one of their expressions and be really happy. But yeah, definitely has a little bit of, you can get that that wisp of smoke coming in right at the end. It's very mm. subtle. It's not a big Isla medicinal smoke. I'd say that's more bonfire style. Mm. You know? It's so like I can dark, see that dark chocolate. Dark, that, yeah, dark chocolate, but mm. it's not overpowering. So I can see that working with the cigar because it's not going to be competing with it as much. It's drier than the Dalmore. Definitely. Yeah, it's much drier. Um, and, I, and I can see why it would work with a, with a nice cigar. And I know I follow Ian on Instagram. Is he Scotch Voyager or something like that, isn't he? Scotch Voyager on Instagram. Follow yeah. Ian, great guy. Yeah, and, and I see he enjoys a wee cigar. And I see he's actually enjoying a lot of Davidoff's just now. Davidoff would sit on the more mellow side of, of the world of flavor of cigars. You know, they have got a couple which are big hitters. They do the late hour, um, which is a... A cigar, actually, that the tobacco has been fermented in Scotch whiskey casks, and I, I wouldn't be surprised to hear that they're from Tom and Towel. Uh, they probably are, yeah. um, and they also make a Yamasa uh, cigar, which is just an unbelievable smoke. But it's it's their biggest in terms of flavor intensity. It would be a five out of five, but they typically sort of dabble down in the two and a halfs up to threes in terms of like intensity. So I, I found my experience with Davidoff is they're a great introduction to a good cigar yeah i mean my experience of davidoff has been with you because mm. you know you worked a lot with them back in white mckay days so you used to send me some sexy davidoffs through now and again which was was nice and yeah i agree with you 100 always a good smoke let's talk about experiences what what do you reckon is your best experience you've had with with whiskey and cigars there's been a few that have kind of caught me off guard to be honest um i remember i went out to siberia um and ended up in this like mad uh club it was weird it was in a car park it was around the back of a with bill. some like sticks again in a sauna is that is this no, where no. this is leading it was it was the same trip <laughs> <laughs> um but there was like this car park it looked like a community center and um, we went around the back of it went in this set of stairs up the back in a door and we were in this beautiful cigar club you would never have known it was in there and i was met by this guy he was basically like he looks like Jean-Claude Van Damme or something. You know, he was kind of good looking dude with muscles everywhere and he just kind of big smiles and all that sort of stuff. And he was like, shook my hand. And I was like, dude, man, he's like, he, he looked like an athlete. Now it turns out he was a Sambo uh, champion, like a wrestler, like a Russian wrestler, basically. Um, wasn't that tall, a bit taller than me, but um, and most people are. But um, that was an amazing experience. And what, what I loved about it was, one of my first trips to Russia was, um, I really got to enjoy some really, really nice cigars, um, and actually got to fully understand and appreciate what Russian hospitality is all about. Um, and my preconceived ideas were completely smashed to pieces um, because some of the warmest hospitality I've ever experienced uh, was was in Siberia, of all places. I mean, so welcomed, um, really, really enjoyed myself. The guys really looked after us, and we got to really just get into some good whiskeys and some good cigars, and that event... I mean, there must have been about 40 or 50 people at that event. It was absolutely sensational. Really, really enjoyed myself. 
What about you, man? You must have done some pretty crazy stuff in the States. I mean... Yeah, I was thinking about this earlier. Um, I do have quite a few. And I, the, the great thing about in the US is there, there were so many really cool places where you could smoke cigars. So like members clubs, you know, that were open, there was cigar bars. I think New York is probably the, the best spot, in my opinion. Mm. Um, you know, so cigar bar, like places like that are just really cool. I think my fondest memory is a really, really basic one. And it goes back to Alan Rubin again. So we did an event in Chicago and it was with the whole team, the Glenfiddich team at the, at the time. And we brought Alan in to do like a 101 on cigars for us, which was, was amazing in itself because you've got this legend within the cigar industry sitting down talking really basic 101 stuff, like how to cut a cigar, mm. how he goes around picking you know, the tobacco, what he does there, what's going on with it. So anyway, we're doing all that, go out for a really nice meal. And then we hit a couple of bars. And now we're like, well, we need to smoke a cigar. Where are you going to smoke mm -hmm. a cigar in, in Chicago? You would think Chicago, right? Great cigar bars, but apparently not. Or right. we all shot on that night. We just couldn't find anything. So now it's getting kind of getting late in the in the night. So I go up to my room, had a bottle of uh, Glenfiddich Snow Phoenix, grab that, and I go down and I'm like, oh, I haven't got any glassware. What do I do? Speak to the guys at the front desk. They give them some plastic cups. Mm -hmm. We literally stood or sat by the Chicago River until three in the morning, just having a great time, smoking cigars, having a laugh, uh, you know, and drinking amazing whiskey that i think retails for about six seven hundred pounds a bottle now if you can yes. find it and yeah. plastic cups <laughs> mad isn't it i mean that that's those are the moments and that's that's why i really like the idea and why every now and then i do enjoy a good cigar is, is for things like that you'll sit for an hour enjoy yourself take it in and you've yeah. got lovely flavor combinations going on as well you know and that that's the appeal to me that you've nailed that that's a really that's cool I, I think the worrying thing about cigars and whiskey is it's definitely Moorish. I don't know if you find this, but suddenly I'm like, you know, into my third, maybe fourth dram because I'm smoking a cigar. I remember yeah, yeah. We, did a, we did a competition once. It was like a bartending competition that was, that was really cool. And the winner, uh, again, this was over in the States, and the winner was from Seattle. And what he did was he actually created a cigar with three different wrappers. Uh, okay. So, Daz, as you know, when you smoke a cigar, there's three stages to it, right? Yeah, well, it smokes in thirds. So and I think a lot of people don't maybe realize that. I think they think the flavor will be consistent throughout, but there's huge developments of flavors on a lot of these cigars as as you smoke through the through the cigar. Exactly, yeah. So so he played on that, and the wrapper started very light and then went heavier as you got to the end of it. And the whole idea, it was paired up with different whiskeys as you went through, and the whiskeys got heavier and heavier, Nice, uh, which I thought was really clever, actually. Yeah, no, that's cool. I mean, it, I, I can see why that would work. That, that's basically what we had to do for our events was, you know, picking three whiskeys to go with a cigar so that the first third was paired with Dalmore 12, the middle third 15, and the final third could be the Cigar Mall or the King Alexander or something like that. That was definitely the kind of format that that works, you know. Um, but like you say, you'll, you'll fly through a few whiskeys in no time. <laughs> Guaranteed. Uh -huh. um, we sent the the message out, the SOS, help us. Uh, we are going to do a cigar whiskey tasting thing um, because we needed to change up the, the subject today. So we reached out to a few of our friends and the guys at Tom and Till, Cody was great. He's, he's sort of drew out. Um, I put a message out to Gordon Dundas, who's the global ambassador over there at Ian McLeod, looks after Glenn Goyne and Tam Du, 
everyone in the whiskey industry knows Gordon. You know, he's 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 been around for a long time. I, I still think he's only about 30 right now. I don't I don't quite know how he's managed to squeeze that, it all in. But that whiskey mate, all the whiskey he drinks keeps him young. <laughs> and uh, Tam Do, look, is we know Tam Do is a great whiskey, uh, great cask policy over there at Ian McLeod's. And there's a whole story that we can go into in another episode about how that is and why and, and the benefits of it all. Um, but there's no surprise to see, um, you know, Tam Do creating a cigar malt because style-wise, it's absolutely bang on. Big influence from European oak, loads of tannins, loads of big fruits, loads of big flavors and things like that. Um, so Gordon managed to get us a sample. And actually it was um, Emma Newton, who is... Um, who's the blender over there. She sent us a couple of samples, which is very kind of her. So I'd just like to say a massive thanks to the guys because this is a blockbuster whiskey. I, I actually tasted it the other night for the first time just to have a, a little look at it. And um, I must say, mate, I was blown away by the quality. I've just had a taste of that right now. And it's, it's you know, 53.8%. So this is the biggest whiskey that we're trying tonight. Um, it's just made me salivate so much. I love Tamdu. I mean, you know, it, for me, this is a dram that I'm going to put my hands up here and, and say that I'm quite a newbie to Tamdu. Until recently, I hadn't really tried that much of it. Uh, and then, you know, I was chatting to Gordon. He sent me a bottle. I absolutely love it. And I'm going to tell you about an experience that I had last week. So I remember I was saying that I was up in uh, up in Speyside with, with, with the Dutch guys. I... Uh, I, I know Sandy McIntyre is the distillery manager there. And I said, Sandy, I'm going to be walking around the distillery. If you want to pop out and say hi, that'd be cool. So I took the guys down and we're just kind of walking around because it's kind of cool. Tamdu's got its own little cooperage there as well. So you can walk around the casks. Um, you can't go and visit it, unfortunately, uh, because it, it's close to visitors. But uh, Sandy then walks out with the keys to the, the, there's the little train stop that they have. It's right on the Speyside way. So he opens that up, two bottles of Tamdu in hand. We literally just sat there, me and these Dutch guys. He is pouring them drams. And honestly, they must have been a solid three to four fingers, these drams. It was incredible. He's just sitting there chatting stories about back in the day. You know, such a cool guy. Like, I'd love to go. Actually, it'd be great to get Sandy and Gordon on the show and just listen to their stories because, you know, the two of them together... They are they are pretty funny those two guys, but yeah, big fan of Tamdu. I love the fact that it's all European wood that goes into it. Uh, you get for me. I, I think I've said this on the show before. I'm not normally a big sherry cask like sherry monster mm. fan, but I think Tamdu does it really well. It gets the nice balance. It's not overcooked in those casks that they're using, and I think they've done this really well with here. I am going to add a little bit of water to this. I think it I needs think, a splash. Yeah, I'm put put a little bit of lark fire in here. Mm. There you go. Get it in. I'll do the same. I, I think, honestly, I think it's, um, I remember working at McAllen and um, Bob taking me through, Bob Delgarno used to be the whiskey maker there, taking me through into one of the warehouses where they've got upstanding casks for marrying. So they would marry the 18-year-olds, for example, for a, a period of time before it would go down to get bottled. And what you do is you actually slowly reduce um, the strength of alcohol. So you would reduce it um as it goes into the marrying cask, you would then reduce it again before going down to bottling. You might do that two or three times um, in terms of the, the reducing. So those marrying casks, I remember, they, I think they sit at 48 or 50%. I can't remember exactly, but it's about that. Going in there into the warehouse, sampling from these marrying casks and tasting those whiskies at warehouse temperature, at that higher strength, in that condition, it's McAllen 18, you know, good juice, lots of European oak influence coming through. When, as soon as I tasted this, 
I was like, it, it almost took me back to that moment. Almost uh, the spicy notes that you get from this whiskey, from the European oak, that heavy clove, but then it drifts into honey. It's like, it promises bitterness, but then it just goes sweet. And it's, it's just so interesting. And I, and I, I can see exactly why they've really thought about this. Um, we must get Gordon on and, and, and Sandy to, to ask them what, what cigar flavors did they have in mind when they created this? We, we haven't had time to really kind of go into that on time. Do uh, something for another time, maybe, but yeah, I can see why it would work. This is the biggest dram we've had all night. Miles, yeah, it's a long way. I mean, even there's, you know, there's no smoke, there's no pee in there. Tamdu don't do uh, any kind of any any peated new make, mm-hmm. uh, but that sherry cask is just really punching through. It's so drying, but in a in a very satisfying way, you know. Yeah, it's got I grip and presence, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can really see that working with a with a cigar. Mm. No, I'm a big fan of that. Um, so there we are, mate. We've we've tasted three cigar malts uh, two years ago. Uh, there was only Dalmore. I know there's an independent bottler that does one, I think, as well. I think they had a Mortlac, which was labelled as a cigar malt. Um, I think it might be Gordon McPhail. I can't remember who it was that did it. Um, but proprietary bottlings from distilleries. Now there was only one, and now there are three. It's time for Mitch and Daz's interesting Scotch whiskey facts that definitely won't get you laid. Okay, in the cigar world, they say that around 200 pairs of hands will touch your cigar before it ends up in your humidor. Uh, Tobacco is fermented prior to being rolled into a cigar. Um, That can take place in barrels, in casks, in big containers. It can take place in all sorts of different things. The interesting thing there was, we talked a little bit about it, was the Davidoff Lay Tower, and they are using whiskey casks um, for that part of the process, for some of the tobacco that goes into that, which is quite cool. Um, I love that idea because I, I even tasted a, a coffee um, the other day, and I know you've got some up at Copper Brock as well. Uh, the beans go in green into the cask for a period of time, and then they roast them thereafter, and uh, you do get a lot of intensity of flavor and things like that coming through. So I'd imagine it would impact the, the tobacco quite considerably. Tobacco is actually aged before rolling and after rolling as well. I don't know if you knew that, Mitch. Um, and aging is a massive part of the process, actually, in terms of the development of a cigar. You have to keep it in the right conditions. You need to make sure you look after them. Um, but I guess similar to what you would like a whiskey, you know, you have to make sure the cask's in good condition, it's in the right environment and things like that. And cigars are exactly the same. Um, so some of these cigars can be, you know, going back to the 80s, the 70s, the 60s. And, and what te- what typically what tends to happen is they do mellow over time. Um, and that's something I, I didn't fully appreciate, actually, because I, I got the opportunity to try a couple of different cigars that had different ages on them, but basically the same cigar, same tobacco and all that kind of stuff. And the difference is quite massive. I mean, I really I, I could tell and I, I'm not an experienced um, sort of cigar smoker or taster. So there's a few little facts that um, are pretty useless uh, that I found quite interesting, especially as somebody who didn't know a lot about cigars, but I like the flavor. What I'm now trying to do is trying to understand where that flavor comes from. Um, before we finish, though, Mitch, um, your best cigar pairing that you were like, those two worked so, so well together flavor-wise. Yeah, you know, again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to revert to Alec Bradley here. Um, so Alan Rubin did a, a cigar called Fine and Rare, which I, I believe he used around about seven different tobaccos in there. Uh, and just such a smooth smoke. 
And uh, I did that with uh, Glenfiddich 30 year old, which was one of my favorite Glenfiddichs when I could get mm -hmm. hold of it. So nice. yeah, those two elements. And I, you know, I actually did it, sat down with Alan, who you heard earlier on. Uh, and did it yeah. there, which, which which was really special and, and made it really special as well. Again, that was in Las Vegas. That was in a private cigar bar. Uh, no, actually, I tell a lie, it wasn't. It was in the Cosmopolitan through in their private bar where we had a locker. Uh, we had a lockup of Glenfiddich 30-year-old and we were just sitting there. So kind of a nice moment as well, not just yeah. a nice pairing. What about yeah. you, Evan? Um, the best pairing, um, I. it's not the best cigar I've had. Um, I think my favorite cigar I had was the Monte Cristo Leenda um, or the Davidoff Yamasa. Those two cigars I've enjoyed a couple of times and just gone, I can't fault them. You know, they, they tick every box for me. And I, I don't like the big heavy flavors. I don't like the, the big spicy notes. They're, they kind of knock, they knock my socks off, to be honest. I'm definitely more in the kind of mid-level piece, but the Yamasa, just the way it smokes, it's just different. It feels different. But the best pairing was the Cohiba Bihike. Uh, the 54, which I got last year with Dalmore 18, that as a pairing was just perfect. They worked. They were the perfect dance partners. You know, they just worked so, nice. so well together. That's the one that I posted actually um, on our uh, podcast uh, Instagram channel. So make sure you follow us, guys. Stay tuned and keep an eye on what's going on. And we'll keep posted on new episodes and all that kind of stuff. Nice segue there, Daz. I like that. You see what I did there? Bring, bring in the yeah, bring in the social media element. Brilliant. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed our little ramble about cigars and whiskey. Uh, what are we going to do next time, Daz? Well, we are going to have a little look at one of the new kids on the block in terms of independent bottlings. We are going to go over to Fable, um, which is a thing and a project I'm involved with, uh, which is really, really exciting. Uh, but we're going to bring Callum, the founder, um, in for a chat as well. So we're going to talk a little bit about Fable, uh, what they're up to, how life is as an indie bottler, as a startup, effectively. Um, and we'll taste some nice whiskeys, mate. So single casks, you know, natural strength, non-chill filtered, all that kind of good stuff that us whiskey freakies kind of like. I'm excited about that because firstly, I haven't tasted any of the juice that you guys have. And secondly, I love all the stories that you have. So it would be cool yeah. bringing all those stories to life and talking about those stories. Uh, for those that don't understand what I'm talking about is Fable really talks about the fact that there's there's Scottish stories behind each expression of what they do. Yeah, no, no, definitely. I'm looking forward to that, man. That would be really cool. Get the whiskeys out and have a few. Should be fun. So that's the next episode. Um, and this is just a quick one before we wrap up. Must say a massive thanks to Gordon and uh, the guys over there, Ian McLeod. Massive thanks also to uh, Cody and Ian as well for helping us out on the Tom and Towel. That's very, very kind of them. And as always, our dear friend Kieran over at uh, White Mackay for keeping us right on the Dalmore Cigar Malt. 100%. Thank you very much, guys. And thank you to you guys for listening. We'll catch you next time on Not Another Whiskey Podcast. Or episode 32. <laughs> Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.